welcome to another edition of the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 72 for January 14th, 2020. The shows are coming thick and fast this year because, well, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> In this show, we have we are doing a twofer. We start with returning guest Sam Albert, who chats with us about rally sims and what ways the virtual world can relate to real rallying and vice versa. Later, we're joined by Scott Alderson. He's the producer of those wonderful rally coloring books that some of you may have seen floating around service parks. Not only are they highly detailed and great fun, but the price is beyond reasonable. So pull up a chair, crack open a beer, and relax. This is the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. Well, hello, I'm your host, Mike Shaw. And with me, as usual, is my go co Jeez, go host? Dang. You need to get <laughs> We're just on the go, Ian. <laughs> my co host, who's well suited, he says, to chat with our second guest. How are you doing this evening, and how is Alexa treating you? Obviously, you're doing better than me, because I can't even th- th- talk. <laughs> yeah, well, let's not call... Let's, let's talk about the A product from now on, shall we? I'll tell you what happened on Saturday when you were... When the uh, latest the latest podcast with uh, Mitch dropped, I uh, I said to said to the A machine, I said play the Open Paddock podcast, and um, I guess it hadn't updated to Apple Podcasts yet because it like played the previous one. So I thought no matter. I went got my iPad out and I uh, opened and played the podcast on that. And when it got to the section of the podcast where we were discussing. A-L-E-X-A. It heard me. It heard the podcast and started playing it. <laughs> so we got to be careful about exactly how we say it on this podcast. Absolutely. Or people end up having repeat play constantly. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So Skynet is watching. It's the Rallycast in Finaloop. It's great. Yeah. It'll just keep going around and around. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm actually quite looking forward to our, our second guest, uh, Scott, because uh, I did spend four years at art college and 17 years as a graphic designer before I moved to America. And, you know, I've, I've even been known to pull out a pencil and do some sketching every now and then, you know. However, it's it's best to draw a veil over my experiences with rally sims. So I'll keep quiet when you're, when you're talking about uh, rally sims with Sam. But, hey, hey, did you see what I did there? Yeah. Draw. Yeah. Draw a veil. Oh, we don't just throw this show together, you know, do we? <laughs> <laughs> you so planned that. That's horrible. <laughs> oh man! But actually, you'll find I think the uh, the sim stuff rather interesting because there's a lot of ways that you can play around with these new tools to maybe even help out a co-driver. Yeah, well, I'm interested to I'm interested to hear what's what transpires in the world of sims. Then I'm I'm an open sponge for this. All right. Well, there we go. Without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Sam Albert. Well, as I said in our intro, our first guest of the evening is Mr. Sam Albert. Sam, how are you doing this evening, man? Fantastic. How are you gentlemen doing this fine evening? We're doing great. It's going to be a, a good evening, I think. Well, mine's getting a little bit better because we all like that sound, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, my brew of the evening is a Pelican Brewing uh, Kawanda. Pre-prohibition cream ale. So there we go. 
Ooh, fancy. Mm-hmm. It's not super bitter, so uh, I'm not into the bitter stuff. I don't like IPAs, which everything seems like it's an IPA these days. You know, you go into a, you go into the store, and it's like 80% IPAs across the wall, and you might find a few stouts and a few pilsners, and that's about it, right? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. So, so I look for something different from those. Uh, what are you guys drinking? Sam. Well, uh funny you bring that up i'll just go ahead and throw this plug right out there um i'm drinking one of our supporters beers base camp brewing company uh out of portland they've been one of our sponsors for the 2019 season and has helped uh, krista out for a couple years before that but i'm drinking their spore stout tonight so very very delicious nice dark dark beer keeping me warm in this cold portland night uh-huh excellent I and didn't know uh, they made a stout i might have to look into that oh yeah it's it's delicious it's uh what do they say it's the the line in the description on the can is actually pretty awesome to triumph over uh to triumph over mountain wave wind or boulder you need a good base camp your base camp helps you rally your adventurous spirit to conquer the next challenge so you know they even put rally on their description so you know what's not to like oh, i'm with you there mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> So, so it seems like stouts are the drink of the evening then because I have my winter beer of choice, which is uh, left-hand milk stout, the nitro milk stout. Ooh, delicious. I love nitros. Yeah, oh, nitros yeah. are my favorite, for sure. So cheers, gentlemen. Salud. Cheers. So, Sam, the reason why I brought you on the show is something that uh, we both have been kind of doing a little bit during the off-season. And that has to do with the sim gaming world. When did you kind of start doing the sim thing? Um, you know, I I started way back when, I guess, um, with Colin McRae, Rally, and Richard Burns. But I never took it very seriously. It was kind of just more of a, a fun thing to do that was Rally-related. So it was just, yeah, like I said, it was more for fun and something that just was there to pass the time. And, you know, I didn't take it as a training tool or anything like that. And then... I would say that really changed just a couple months ago, probably back in the fall when one of the other Dirtfish instructors uh, gave me the opportunity to try out the VR on Dirt Rally 2. And I had Dirt Rally 1 uh, back when it first came out, and I had a had a wheel and the whole setup and everything. But like I said, it was just more for fun and just to pass the time. Didn't really use it as a training tool. I didn't think the physics in, in Dirt Rally 1 were super great because you hit a bump and next thing you know, you were doing like 10 barrel rolls and you know, it was something that you'd m- maybe just lose a mud flap over. So I didn't really take it as something super useful, just as, you know, something fun. But uh, that all changed when I tried it out in VR or virtual reality. And uh, he had Dirt Rally 2 with a, with an Oculus Rift headset. And just from the very first corner, I was like, what? This is completely different. This is not what I had experienced before. And the big thing that stood out to me was having that sense of, of weight transfer. And I think any driver can say that, you know, they require the feel of the car to be able to drive it properly and not having that sense of weight transfer before, you know, getting a feel of the car moving from side to side or front to back was a big limiting factor as far as driving the cars. Cause it was more just, you know, 
an arcade-like experience where you're just going to point the wheel and you're going to get on the gas or the brake, and that's those were the only inputs that you had that you could give, and then just the visual references on the screen itself. You know, whether you had a single monitor or a triple monitor or whatever kind of cool setup you might have had, you still didn't have that sense unless you had, you know, a $30,000, you know, motion rig where the, the seat moves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, obviously out of the reach for the vast majority of people. But now you can get an Oculus Rift or the Rift S is the new, newer version for like 350 bucks off of Amazon. And as soon as I tried it, I was like, whoa, 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 this is this is a big deal for me because obviously driving a rally car is really expensive. Having the opportunity to go drive it outside of a, an actual stage rally or a test day or going to you know any number of rally schools is is expensive. It's there's not that many opportunities and it's it's hard to do. And not to mention you got to you know have the upkeep of your car and all that stuff at the same time. So being able to hop into dirt rally with this with this VR headset has given me this opportunity to. I wouldn't say it's it's perfect. You know, there's it's still a game. It's not a you know six figure simulator program or you know however much it costs for you know replicating formula 1 or any multitude of of the high level professional motorsports that are out there but it's pretty good and you know like i said it gives you an opportunity to hop in a car get on stage drive it around hear pace notes process information and all that sort of stuff so personally i think it's a fantastic tool not necessarily to give you the best feeling of driving a rally car and and what it's truly truly like to be out on stage but it gets you really really close for really pennies on the dollar in the end and i mean everything you're feeling is really just for the steering wheel so all that butt feel and all that stuff that you have to just kind of translate that right you have to figure out what it's trying to tell you is going on through through the simulator Right. So, you know, you have your, your force feedback through the wheel, which gives you a little bit of sensation of the road. And, you know, it's got self-aligning torque and all that sort of stuff. And it, that does pretty well. But like I said, the, the big thing with the VR is that the very first corner, I got on the brakes and then I felt the car, you know, nosing into it. It was, it was transferring weight up to the front of the car and it was starting to dive in. And then I felt like I was developing grip with those front tires. And it gave me this sense that I was actually driving a real rally car. That was going to be my next question because I, now I tried Oculus Rift in Dirt Rally 1 with a, a friend let me borrow one of the early Oculus Rift things. It was a development model, I think, or whatever. The resolution was still low, though. It was like... VGA per eye is like 1024 by 768 or something similar to that. And right. it, I mean, what they call it, the screen door effect. I mean, I could see every pixel and I'm naturally a little more farsighted. I've got, I have better than 2020 vision. And so it uh -huh. just looked, I couldn't see far away, you know, and I'm used to looking farther down the road, um, just in gaming anyways. And right. I, it, to me, it was it, the first thing I noticed that was really cool is you're right. That first corner I, I looked sideways, right? Because I'm drifting the car, and oh hey, I'm turning. I'm looking out the side window, <laughs> and it just fluidly moves with you, which is awesome. And you do get that sense of being in the cockpit. But yeah, I, I didn't notice those same effects, at least in the older version of the car dipping down and all that. So is that really, I guess, where you can get that kind of connection between the virtual world and the real world? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I I haven't played Dirt Rally One with you know, a VR headset. I've, I've played it on my own. It was, it was a game that I had 
back in the day when it first came out. Um, but I, I didn't play it that much. I, I don't know what Steam says of actual hours I played it, but it's not very much. Um, it was just something that I'd hop on every once in a while. And I think I made a couple social media posts about, oh, I'm practicing for this rally because it looks the closest. But it was, you know, maybe I did that once for like an hour or two. And that was that was about it. But with this, with Dirt Rally 2 and the VR, like I'm, I am convinced that it's a helpful tool. And I think it's a really good way to get some cheap, seat time that that can be in the end effective to help you out um and there's there's a bunch of things that you can go into it with as as far as you know training tasks and all these different things to make it a little bit more beneficial to you rather than just hopping into the game and playing the stage you know one of the big things that i've had a hard time with in real rallying is is always driving the proper line uh, it's it's really easy to just get caught up in the moment where you're in the rally car and you're competing for speed and, and time and you're just trying to go as fast as you can and you're not always paying attention to all the little details that can add up to major gains at the end of a stage or at the end of the rally. So something that I'm doing right now, for example, is just making sure that I'm using up the road properly and turning in at the right points so that I'm hitting the apex where I'm supposed to so that I can maximize my exit straight away and it seems like little minor details, but I think it's something that I've watched in my onboard video from actual rally that I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm making mistakes there and I'm giving up time or I'm getting on the throttle too early in a corner and next thing you know, I'm having to lift off before the corner exit and I'm ruining my drive out of the corner. So I'm taking you know stuff that I've noticed that I'm, I'm habitually making mistakes on in real rally and then trying to address them in the game so that hopefully the next time I go out on stage that... I've gotten better or I've eliminated that problem and hopefully I, I drive faster and I'm doing better in the next event. And I'm waiting for Ian to chime in. Because yes, I told sorry, him to... sorry. <laughs> sorry. Did you have the I mute was... button on again? I He's have... enjoying that s'more stout. I don't, or not s'more stout, <laughs> but it's his stout, so I don't blame him. <laughs> so, I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sat here listening to this and, okay, I've, 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 I'll freely admit that I'm like totally ignorant on on sims i don't play computer games of any description at all so i was listening to you there talking about how you're feeling the nose dive when you put the brake put the brakes on and the car and so all but all you've got is the uh the feedback in the steering wheel yeah well that's so not entirely correct now because with the vr headset the display will change with that weight transfer so mm -hmm. Let's say you keep your head, you know, perfectly, you know, horizontal with the horizon, right? And you get yeah. on the brakes, your the visual within that VR headset will move corresponding to the car changing its, you know, having weight mm -hmm. transfer. So you'll yeah. get that sense of, oh, well, I'm I'm on the brakes now at speed, yeah. so the nose is diving. And that's the sense that you get from the VR that you don't get just watching. I mean, I'm sure you could to some degree on on a, a normal monitor. But the VR gives you a much more representative feedback as far as weight transfer goes in the car. And it, and it just makes intuitive sense when that's happening, when you have that headset on. Mm -hmm. and so it, to me, then, this sounds like, yeah, I was a couple of years ago, I went down to like uh, Cape Canaveral and rode the uh, space shuttle simulator. And you went at the start of that, you feel like you're being hauled up vertical you're watching like a a display in front of you 
I mean, you know full well when you think about it, you're not be you're, the seats that you're in are not being set up vertical, but because you have that visual reference is telling you what's going on, you believe that's what's going on. Right, and I think that's just kind of the magic of of that you know virtual world mm-hmm. that's able to show you kind of what's going on. And you know, I'm I'm sure that we have a long way to go before virtual reality is fully developed and it's it's fully representative of the of the actual world but i think they've made some really really good headway as far as you know representing that and what they have currently technology wise mm-hmm. cool so 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 for me is there anything in this for for me for a co as a co-driver i mean can could scott uh, i think scott's got a setup at, at, at his place and uh would I be able? Would I be able to sit alongside Scott and read, pace notes to him for him to drive to? Yes, absolutely, and that's something that Krista and I have been doing, to a small degree. We haven't been doing it a whole lot, but we have practiced and we have tried it. Where we're just basically using our TV, where I have a duplicate of what I'm seeing in the car that's displayed on a TV monitor. Uh, and she gets to watch that and call notes. So I'll just mute out the co-driver in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've gone through and we've done two pass recce, essentially, you know, uh, just like you would on a real stage rally where she's writing down the notes and I'm I'm calling out what I want her to call. Uh, and then we've gone back and done it at speed. And for me as the driver, it works great because now I have a little bit better notes than what the game provides and mm-hmm. more of what I, I'm used to because yeah. I've, I've been doing two pass recce now for a couple of years and, and that's that's my normal now. But the challenge for her is, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is that she now, because she's just watching a monitor, she has no sense of that weight transfer. I, mm-hmm. I have it because of the virtual reality, but it would be impossible for her to have the virtual reality and go look down at her, her notebook and call out notes. So she's stuck with the monitor and looking down and, and calling notes. So she's having to spend a lot more time looking at the monitor to see where yeah. she is and, mm-hmm. and you know, translating that to where she is in her notebook. Yeah. Um, so that's the big challenge. And she's, she's said like, this is really, really hard. It's, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not anything like being in the rally car as far as a co-driver. Now, I think one possible solution to that, and that goes back to just spending a ridiculous amount of money, is just getting a, a two-seat motion rig mm-hmm. where you know the drivers and the driver and co-driver are both on it, and at least she would get some feel of that weight transfer from the motion rig. Now, it may be a long time before that's financially feasible for the average person, but you know that's that's something that we could possibly look forward to uh if those prices start dropping down and we could mm-hmm. you know make that as as a thing or even having it at you know a place like dirtfish where we could have that sort of rig and maybe that's something that we could offer for a a very cheap price point where you could get you know Rent a half time. day on the yeah. on the mm-hmm. rig and you you and your you know driver co-driver can go out there and do a little bit of training for for super cheap without having to you know put wear and tear on an actual rally car so it's you know there's there's possibilities that are out there they're not you know they're not here now for most people but it's it's possible and it could be something that could be explored in the future for sure yeah so obviously this having krista call the notes all the time for you rather than having the computer do that i mean that's that's got to help you as well. Yeah, and you know, it's something that I, I do want us to do a little bit more of. Um, it 
it definitely helps as far as writing notes. Now, anybody that's done, you know, video recce or have checked notes before using their GoPro footage and stuff like that have found that it's obviously hard to do because you just have a 2D image. But, you know, when I'm in the VR, at least I can kind of look around at the corners. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I can cut here. That's, that'll work. That's not something that you can do off of mm-hmm. GoPro footage. Uh, so it is it. I think it definitely helps me as a driver as far as being able to to, you know, come up with my notes and all the different little things. And yes, it's harder for a co-driver to do it at speed. But at, at the end, as far as recce goes, it's, you know, their job is to write and organize the notes as as they go along and, and write down what the driver wants. So from that aspect, I think it still works great. You know, it's still a very good tool for you to to write those notes. Mm-hmm. And I can even imagine in a not too distant future, a you know, uh, they already have cameras that are like, I guess, 360 degree, but you'd only need probably 180 or whatever. But if you can imagine, you could do your recce with that. You go back and look at the video through VR and you could do that same head turning. You definitely could. Yeah, in the real world. That's definitely a possibility. Yeah. So, I mean, just just another aspect of how VR can end up you know, changing things. You're going to end up having people, you know, sitting there uh, in Park Exposé, you know, going over their uh, last video footage. They're all sitting there with goggles on. <laughs> right. And, you know, that's it's it's kind of funny to talk about. But when we're faced with, you know, rally as being a difficult sport to, to enter, you know, a lot of it is the time requirement where, you know, for a, a big event, that could be that can mean a week off for a lot of people because we've got to do, you know, you got your travel days and then you've got your recce days and then you have your actual race days and everything on the other end. If the technology is there, there may be an opportunity. Maybe it's not at the national rally, but at, you know, the, the regional rally level where that video is made in, you know, 180 degree format oh, or yeah. something like that, I see mm-hmm. that. where we now eliminate video recce, recce and you don't yeah. have to do an actual recce. Yeah, you save a day off of an event, you save everybody a day off of work, and it now becomes a little bit more financially viable for, for other people to, you know, do an event. You spend you spend one day of work off and you, you now invest that into a virtual reality headset. And this is just, you know, quick idea, spitballing, but that could be an opportunity for us for everybody at the a larger scale to save some time. I like it. I like it. That's a very interesting uh, future uh, idea there. And I think everybody would appreciate having their notes prepared going into an event rather than having to do recce, spend, you know, all night long until the wee hours of the morning fixing and correcting notes. And then you go rally the next day off of a couple hours of sleep would be really awesome to show up well rested, your car's prepared, and you just go out and rally. (laughs) But see, it's that challenge that makes it great, too. But yes, I totally get it. <laughs> it would be mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, right, none right. of us sleep very much between, uh, yeah, pretty much the day of recce and uh, the podium. <laughs> yep, that's, that's, that's a true Just statement. the reality of it. Actually, one other thing about on the technical side I wanted to ask about is setups. Because one thing, you know, I yes, I, I play some of this stuff too. Uh, i got a wheel sitting here right at my desk. And I have a little bit of a tough time in the non-VR world really trying to feel those changes unless I make them really extreme in the game. Uh, what about setup changes in the game? Can you notice them more? Are they more dramatic? Do you notice them more quickly when you're doing the setup changes for the car in the, uh, with VR? Yeah, and I think Dirt 2 does a really good job of incorporating those setup changes because I've I've 
played around a lot with them because you know my my main goal for the game and getting a card to behave the way I want it to is that I want it to most accurately represent what I'm driving now. You know, um, so I've been able to do that fairly well with multiple cars, but it takes a little bit of time and and understanding what all the changes do and all the changes in the game. You know, whether you're changing, you know diff lock percentage or preloads and you know damping rates and stuff like that while they're not a hundred percent you know translatable to real life once you kind of start getting a feel of what the physics engine in the game does you can adjust it fairly easily to make make it representative of what you want it to drive and for a lot of people that's just about making it easy to drive it doesn't necessarily have to translate to it makes it a faster car but to make it predictable and consistent to the to your driving style, it it does a good job and it allows you to do that through those setup changes. So I I feel them right away. You know I'll I'll spend a lot of time on the setup changes and and you know go to the time trial mode or wherever it is and and just you know run a couple minutes of a stage and be like no I don't like this I'm going to change you know whatever it is that I want to change and I absolutely feel those setup changes and they make a lot of sense and it's a whole lot shorter of a setup change in the game than it is going and pulling your transmission out and then <laughs> yeah, changing right. your death preload <laughs> setting. So that, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I can imagine. I can imagine. And it's nice. And I think, I think they're, they're closely accurate to, you know, what it is that you would do in real life. So it also kind of helps you understand if you were to go out into, you know, your shop or garage or whatever it is and, and make some setup changes to the car that it gives you a little bit more direction and understanding of what those setups changes, those setup changes will actually do for you in real life. Obviously, it's a big time and, you know, whatever investment to, to be able to make those setup changes. And it's hard for most of us to do that frequently. So it's just nice to kind of get an idea of, well, if I'm going to actually break open my gearbox and, and change my front diff or something like that, um, to have some idea of what that's actually going to going to do for you. And the game does a decent job of that. So not realistic, but definitely representative of the type of change. So that's really cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm coming round to this slightly now, you know. So if I expect after Scott has heard heard this podcast, he'll be on the he'll be texting me and saying, "Ian, do you want to come round and try and try go. calling notes for me?" <laughs> there <laughs> and it I, is, I, and I, yeah, and I'm going to be amenable to it. So I mean, I'm I'm learning a lot. I really <laughs> am. Awesome, and I I think that's a an important thing because, you know, there's there's been. Let's just take the the North American Rally Facebook group for example. Every time that there's been a a post about you know dirt rally or whatever it is, it it quickly gets you know shunned by the community at large, and that's understandable in that forum because you know it's it's supposed to be about real rally and stuff like that. But I think that there's you know missed opportunity for people to take advantage of you know, the game and VR and all the tech, what technology has to offer for what it's worth. Um, you know, I'm definitely not saying that it's a replacement, but it is a, it's a useful tool and it's, and at the end of the day, it is fun. You know, once you kind of get, you know, beyond the, the initial, oh, this isn't a real rally car. This isn't a real stage. This isn't what my car feels like. Once you kind of get beyond that and you can, you can appreciate the things that it does offer. There are, plenty of things that it can do for you to help you out as a driver or you know in many cases as a co-driver well in addition to that we're opening up to a new community of people right you've got this gamer community 
And I was going to ask you about that because one of the things that, that I've noticed as you've kind of gone full on into this thing is you've actually got a Twitch channel that you've started, uh, which I've been one of those guys like, oh gosh, this Twitch gaming world, my God. But come to think of it, you know, and after watching what you did, uh, maybe explain a little bit about how the gaming community has taken to a real driver playing this game and following you and the type of input you can give them. Yeah, so let me let me first by kind of explaining what Twitch is because I'm not sure everybody knows what Twitch or the Twitch community is. It's it's basically yeah, I'm holding and, my hand up now. <laughs> there you go. See, <laughs> so so Twitch is basically an online streaming service for. It's not actually not just for gamers. There's plenty of other people. There's yoga instructors and there's you know cooking shows and all this sort of stuff. And it's basically a, a place where people can broadcast whatever it is that they choose to broadcast. You know through a their streaming service, a video, right? Yep, yep. So anybody beca- can become a broadcaster. So you can have your own you know CBS or NBC or Discovery or wherever it is if you choose to do so. Uh, it's a place for individuals or you know even small groups to to broadcast some sort of video to the world writ large. It started from gamers and then other people found the opportunity to kind of expand into other little niches. But uh, the the main the main you know consumer of it is going to be gamers. So in Rally, there's there's people and there's this community that exists that that stream dirt rally or you know any of the multiple multitude of uh of racing simulators or games out there whether it's dirt rally i racing uh, assetto corsa you know f1 2019 or wherever it is that they're on right now uh and there's a large number of people that actually you know tune into these channels and watch them and and i don't think for a lot of people, it's about watching the actual gameplay. It's more about interacting and communicating with that person and all that sort of stuff. So if you're if you're interesting, then people are more likely to watch your channel. And what I have found since I'm coming to Twitch from an actual stage rally background and, and real racing and all that sort of stuff and then playing it in the game that I have found a lot of people that are, are very, very interested and and what it is that I'm doing. And so I've had tons and tons of people that will hop onto me streaming the game just, you know, asking all kinds of different questions. And so what I first realized and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was I was just like Mike. I was like, "Man, I don't know what this Twitch is. This is kind of strange. This is a whole different world to me." I and despite as much as I'm I'm talking up Dirt Rally and all these games and simulators and stuff, I'm not a gamer by any means. I've, you know, I've played my fair share of GoldenEye growing up, but I am not sitting on there playing Call of Duty, you know, 24/7 <laughs> and stuff like that. That's that's not who I am. So I kind of just hopped into this thinking, you know, what, I'm going to I'm just going to do a little bit of an experiment, and you can call it a social experiment or whatever, just just to see what this is like. And my hope was that I was going to find a whole new audience of people that are into rally that maybe don't know that rally exists in North America. Maybe they know what it is, but they have no real connection or they don't feel like, you know, it's a, that big of a thing or that big of a deal. And that I would be an ambassador of the sport to this community of gamers and that I could start sharing the story of real stage rally in North America. And 
thankfully, that has actually proven to be true. And yeah. I've been able to engage with all kinds of people and people not just from North America, from Australia, from Brazil, from Spain, from Germany and the UK and all this sort of stuff that are all these places. And they're super, super interested in what it is that I'm doing both on the game and in the real world. They're like, wait, America has rally? Really? I thought that ended yeah, like it, night after the Group B days. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, one of the things that I've been able to do is to educate this audience on stage rally, get to talk to them, and I'm gaining fans and followers. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, cross social media stuff going on where they've, they, you know, my introduction was on Twitch, but now they're following me on Instagram or Facebook and stuff like that. And I've, I'm seeing them pop up and they're asking questions and they're making posts and comments and all that sort of stuff. And I have like two guys from Pennsylvania right now that are like, man, if you make it up, because I was talking about Southern Ohio Forest Rally as a possible addition to our calendar this year, that, man, if you make it out there, we're definitely going to come down and watch you race and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, what? This is awesome. Like, how cool is this that I'm opening up, you know, this this whole world of of gamers into the world of rally? And obviously, I'm not doing it single-handed, but it's it's really cool to engage with these people and and build that stoke in them and be like what this is this is a real thing and and it's not far away like they're in pennsylvania it's like a, an hour drive from where they live to the southern ohio forest rally they're like we're definitely awesome. going to come down if you make mm -hmm. it out so you know i see a lot a lot of value in that and yeah it's not mass numbers i'm not like getting millions of people following my my twitch stream by any means you know it's it's a few here and there and i'm obviously very new to it so i don't have the following built up from years of exposure to it, but there's a lot of value, I think, in building a lot of interest in a select few people that want to participate. And, you know, I, I consider spectating participating in Rally. If you show up and you're showing support and they want to come around and see the service area and take a look at the car and go out on the stages and all that sort of stuff, like that's building numbers in Rally. And it's if it's just a, you know, a few people at a time, then so be it. That's still building the numbers. And I think that's really important for what we need to do here, you know, in North America. So uh, obviously you've reached out and, and touched a few out there. And I guess what would you like to see the future growth of this uh, between this virtual world and the real world? You know, I, I myself envisioning, wouldn't it be cool if we had like a, a truck with virtual whatever setups that people could play against each other in the service park in between stages or something like that? Yeah, I think that's a great, great idea, and we should plug this, you know, podcast over to Codemasters right now, or to Logitech, or Thrustmasters, or Fanatech, or any of those guys. Be like, look, there's a, there's a community of, of racers out there that, you know, at the end of the day, I think a large major majority of the the people that play the game are people that can't realistically afford to race in real life, and if you can provide some sort of segue that goes from you know, being able to play the game to what it is in real life and then being able to co-mingle the two, then you have a great opportunity to reach a whole different audience of people. I just think it's a really cool opportunity. And you're not the first person that I've heard say, let's bring, you know, some rigs and stuff to, to you know, a stage rally. They, they do this already at, at other racing organizations. You know, going to, you know, Mike, you and I were at, at the Indy race at PIR mm -hmm. uh, last summer, and I definitely walked by a bunch of sim rigs where people were hopping in and playing and all kinds of different stuff to, to hop in a, you know, an Indy car in a game and play it in a little sim rig. So, yes, it's, it's, it's proven to be an opportunity. 
uh, and it'd be great. And I have thought about bringing my own to rallies before, but then knowing how hectic my trailer can get when loading in and out of rally, I didn't think <laughs> it would break survive a lot of stuff. Long. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but there, I think there is an opportunity and those, there's so many of those rigs that, ex, that exist. And I think, you know, the, those big players that produce those rigs could very, very easily make that happen. If it was, you know, brought to their attention. And I, I think it would be a, a cool thing. It doesn't need to be huge and elaborate, but if there was some sort of opportunity to, to do that at a at a reasonable scale, it's that's an opportunity for sure. All right. So how do folks follow the sim version of Sam Albert uh, out there in the virtual world if they do want to see your broadcasts and uh, maybe try and follow you? Um, uh, there, there's a Facebook group now for Dirt Rally P- to people, I believe now, right? So uh, why don't we plug that a little bit? Sure. So that that Facebook group was was made in a response to kind of the the public shaming that was going on in the the normal North American Rally group, and so it was just basically renamed to North American Rally Dirt 2.0. Uh, or North American Dirt Rally 2.0. So that's that's an easy group to to hop on into, and you know, we it's it's a bunch of people that I think, you know, since we made that group, and and Mike, you might be able to speak to this, but it seems like there's a lot of people that are super excited about it, and they just didn't really have uh, a way to talk about it or a way that they felt comfortable to talk about it. So making that little Facebook group was was an opportunity opportunity to do so, and. You know, as we've seen, there's a bunch of rallyists in North America that have joined it, both on the the American side and the Canadian side, that are interested in the game and they want to talk about it and they want to compete against other people. And you know, it's 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 great. Um, as far as what I'm doing, uh, I've made it easy. It's the same as all my other social media channels, and it's just uh, at Sam Albert Rally on Twitch. So it's uh if you go straight to my channel, it's twitch.tv slash Sam Albert Rally and you'll find all my stuff there and it's able to uh keep past broadcasts and I've also been uploading uh real st- stage rally stuff on there as well. So you know that way I can kinda cross contaminate between gaming videos and real stage rally videos whether it's on boards or some of the recaps that we did with the the straight cut series from Dirtfish from the 2018 season with them uh that's a good opportunity and a lot of people find that very interesting because uh Dirtfish and Codemasters were able to strike a deal where they put the car that I campaigned in 2018 uh into the game so oh, that's it's, right uh, yeah mm. It's the, you know, in the Subaru or in the NR4 class, the Subaru that you can pick the first livery that's on there is the same exact livery that I had in 2018. So people get to uh, get to play that car in the game. And then I put I put a little uh, like blurb in my bio about that car and, and how they can find a little bit of information. So a lot of people found that really interesting because they've played that car in the game and then they get to. I mean, as soon as they saw, like, whoa, that was you, you, you drove that car? Like, that's really cool. That's awesome. And so they'd ask questions about the car. So, you know, recently I posted up a, a video where we did a walkthrough of the car at Dirtfish. And I was just kind of explaining all the different components and the way that we built it and all the different, you know, ins and outs of it. And so they were able to see that car in real life and what it was actually, you know, made out of and the components used and, you know, what it looks like in real life and compare that to the game too. So a lot of people found that interesting. I'm just waiting for the uh, sim gamer that 
shows up at Dirtfish and says, I want Sam Albert Rowley to be my instructor because he's the guy I follow on Twitch. I'm sure it's not too far away. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds pretty freaking cool, man. Well, you you slightly alluded to it before, and before we let you go, uh, because we got another guest we got to call up in a bit, but tell us about that uh, 2020 schedule that you got planning. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So, um, you know, since since doing the full championship in 2018, I've had to scale things back, you know, mostly because of of budget. Uh, so I'll be sticking around the, the Pacific Northwest. I think the schedule will look almost identical to 2019 with a possible addition of, like I said, the Southern Ohio Forest Rally. I have a lot of family that are still out in Ohio, so they're, they, they would like to see me. Uh, and I thought a good excuse to going out to Ohio because I don't really have another good reason to go out to Ohio. No offense, <laughs> maybe some offense. Sorry, that uh, that we go out to the Southern Ohio Forest Rally and and uh, and then be able to bring my family and stuff out to that. So we might add that on there. So uh, Olympus, Olympus, Oregon Trail, possibly Rocky again, Southern Ohio, and then the no- typical Pacific Northwest fall schedule with. Pacific Forest Rally, Tour de Forest, and then maybe Big White, but I might be away from for work in late fall, so I might, I might not be able to late fall into winter. So that might not be able to happen, but definitely going to front load things in the early part of the season, uh, at least the Pacific Northwest season. So all this, the spring and early summer events, I'll try to definitely make it out to with hopefully a, a ratherly revised car, which I haven't really told a whole lot of people about, uh-huh. but dropping mm. dropping some hints ah oh, so now we really got to follow sam albert rally <laughs> to find out all that stuff yeah yeah i gotta i have a couple tricks up my sleeve i'm uh nice i'm nice. looking at all these r5s showing up and i'm i gotta find a way to uh to answer them so i'm working on some things actually this brings up something that i, I forgot to ask you about maybe well actually i want to also bring you on and talk to you too about how you've got an article series you've been doing on your uh website and you've been talking about budgeting and rallying and all that stuff. And we had actually a question that came into us was, you know, tell us more about how people can get started in rallying. Of course, this person didn't specify what they're talking about as a co-driver, as a driver building a car, which part they were talking about. But right. I guess, tell us, I guess, a little bit about this series of articles you've been doing. And I'm guessing you're going to expand it even more about, you know, uh, uh, the costs of rallying and, and trying to make it affordable. Yeah, so I I started a website in the fall um, just for you know I consider it my my driver's professional website and it's just you know www.samalbertrally.com uh, just trying to keep that that name consistent across everything and um, you know part of it coming I guess I could step back like you know part of who I am as a competitor is also as an instructor, right? So I've, I've been instructing at Dirtfish since, since 2015, and that has definitely given me some of the most rewarding experiences in rally is, is coaching and mentoring and instructing new competitors into the sport and then bringing that past Dirtfish and, and mentoring those people outside of outside of the school and you know at real rallies and helping them coaching them tell them you know what things that they should look to upgrade in their car or upgrade for themselves and things that they should work on and stuff so um i just wanted to create a new medium to you know reach a larger audience that i don't you know necessarily hit on one on one but that i can at least you know provide some information and educate people at a little bit larger scale now you know it's not like i have a huge reach 
on social media or with that website. But it is a, a good resource for people to kind of learn a little bit more about what they might be getting into should they enter the sport. And I'm not the only person to do this. There's plenty of other resources out there. Dirtfish also does a little bit. And in fact, I just recently uh, wrote a blog post on their website about, you know, first getting into rally. And that was written by uh, a co-instructor from there, Eric Schofhauser, who co-drives for Jack Harrison in that, in the red brick, the the old Volvo 242 oh, yeah, Turbo. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, I kind of, you know, talked to him a little bit about that as he was writing up and he, he referenced, um, you know, that article that I wrote about budgeting. And so there's, there's just, you know, little tidbits of information. I think one of the hardest things about rally is it's just really difficult to find information, partially because we're a little bit smaller community, uh, partially because there's not a huge amount of collective knowledge in North America. And that knowledge that does exist is kind of difficult to come by or is closely guarded at the same time. So I'm just trying to push more and more information out there, and I will be expanding with you know more articles and stuff like that, so that people at least have some uh, another reference out there that they can you know look to if they're trying to get into the sport or trying to get more competitive, figure out what it is that they should be training or you know driving techniques or all that sort of stuff. I have you know a bunch of ideas planned, and uh, you know just hopefully it it helps raise the level of knowledge in North America so that people can make more informed decisions and that's you know probably something that we're lacking right now so i think the key is is reach out if you're someone that has questions or whatnot you can reach out to us here at open paddock and we've got resources like sam uh, or you can talk to sam directly or uh, there's there's a lot of people out there i think that want to share um but yeah it's kind of scattered isn't it yeah absolutely and so that's what i've always you know, told people, um, you know, one of the biggest plugs that I do at a wrap up when I'm teaching a class at Dirtfish is, you know, obviously they, they paid for the class, but one of the free resources that we offer anybody and, you know, I, I offer this to anybody listening to the podcast is that if you have questions, feel free to reach out to, you know, any of us. I, I think the vast majority of competitors in rally are very willing to, you know, share their knowledge and help people out. And, you know, I can relate that to my very first rally that I did, um, that I had, I had two competitors reach out to me. I had no idea who they were at the time. I was like, why are these people talking to me? Like, what, what do they care? But they were just very interested in helping somebody new to the sport. And 10 years later, they're some of my very best friends in the rally community. And it was, you know, with their mentorship, it made me so much more comfortable, felt so much more confident going into my first event, all that, you know, just all those little things that can go a long way into making somebody feel good about getting into something that they have, you know, so little information about. And so, you know, I just want to pay that forward and, and hopefully help other people. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had the privilege and I feel very fortunate that I've been able to do that with a good number of people that, you know, are current competitors and, and ARA and CRC, you know, to this day. And even another new one that I just had an opportunity to instruct at Dirtfish, you know, a month or two ago, who just got his first rally car and is going to be showing up to, to Olympus or Oregon Trail here, you know, in a couple months and doing his first rally. So I'm, I'm super, super stoked about that. Well, Ian, any uh, final words before we uh, let Sam go? No, 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 I'm not going to say you've, like, changed my view on these things totally, but you've, like, opened my eyes, definitely. So I was, like, I was totally closed off about Sims before, but I can... You've talked with such passion and excitement about this that uh, 
yeah i could i could see my point of view on these things changing well i'm glad to hear that and you know being open-minded about new things is always a good good position to have well, i must say that what changed it all for me was a force feedback wheel when you feel a little bit of what's going on it changes everything and uh dirt rally 2 the we just did a little competition with our, you know, open paddock. We created, you know, we've got, of course, our little uh, challenges that we create, uh, just a couple of them a month because we've only got so much time. We're doing podcasts all the time, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, th the change in grip levels on the Monte Carlo stage, holy cow. It was yeah. so, I don't know if it was realistic per se, but boy, it changed a lot. It's like, wow, I have grip now. Now I don't. Now I do. And it at least gave you a sense of the challenge that real drivers go through. And, and I think I remember at one point, especially on the completely icy part near the top of the coal, um, when you're, when you're playing those stages, you're like, this is just like big white. Yeah. And you know, I think if you were to watch some, uh, some onboard from Monte Carlo, you know, at least some of those, so some of those stages that are very mixed conditions, you will see them go from, flat out a hundred and you know two percent to coming down to an absolute crawl and just doing a hundred and two percent at a much reduced speed but you know obeying what the traction limits are provided to them and so i think they actually did a really really good job with that because you know having having watched you know wrc coverage of of that event i've definitely seen those crazy dramatic you know pace changes and grip levels change and all that sort of stuff so i think uh, i think it was pretty good well, Sam, we'll make sure that we uh, post all the links to all your stuff there. Uh, make sure you watch them on Twitch if you haven't seen it before. Um, it's actually really cool to see, again, a real driver in the virtual world and then explaining. And you can ask questions. That's the other cool thing is, you know, it's kind of a live chat thing. Granted, <laughs> when you're driving, it's hard for you to talk. But uh, you definitely, during those breaks in between stages, uh, give some explanation of how it felt um, and, and how you relate that to the real world. So, um Sim gaming with the VR, it really does make a big difference. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of that in the future. And uh, yeah, make sure you follow Sam Albert Rally. Sam, thanks for being on the show. And I look forward to seeing you at Olympus, man. Yeah, Mike and Ian, thanks again for having me on the show. Always appreciate what you guys do. And hopefully we get to do this again in the, in the future. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll have Scott, Scott Alderson, who makes those awesome coloring books uh, about Rally on the show. All right, well, I would like to welcome on the podcast for the first time, Scott Alderson. And Scott, we've got you warmed up. You already have your beer. I do. I do. What are you drinking, man? I am actually, I didn't have any real good beer in the house. I'm kind of an IPA guy. And we are having beer brats pretty soon this week. And so I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon. My stepdad calls it lawnmower beer. <laughs> i'm with you on that one man i'm with you on that I, one. I, I, yeah. I, dr I drunk many a can of of pabst blue ribbon when i was when i was a student at uw stout more years ago than i care to remember now but that was one oh, of the yeah. drink that was one of the drinks of choice yep yeah that was one, that was one well, of it makes good. Drinks. It makes good brats. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was one of the few drinks that uh, students could afford to buy loads of. So, there you go. <laughs> there you All go. right. Well, Scott, we got you on the show because you know we we know you from creating this awesome rally uh, coloring book that you've developed, and we want to get a little bit about your background and how you got inspired to create this whole thing. So, uh, I guess start from the beginning, man. What is your connection to rallying? 
Well, my parents, I, I'm 54 years old, born in 65, and my parents back in the early 70s were involved in a local sports car club, did TSD rallying and, and autocrossing and stuff like that. And uh, around 75, we attended our first rally at Norwester, our first stage rally. And uh, my parents got kind of hooked on it. And so they ended up, my stepdad built a 510 and they went out rallying a little bit in the late 70s, a little bit in the early 80s. And of course, then there I was as a kid tagging along. I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. Uh, and so that's kind of how I got my start in being around rally was just through my parents. Um, they, they had uh, quite a few old rally instructions from the TSD rally stuff. So there was a lot of blank sheets of paper on the back, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So uh, I drew a lot of pictures on the backs of those things. It's just, you know, scrap paper. And uh, living in the Northwest where it was raining a lot, I just taught myself to draw. I mean, you're inside quite a bit. So uh, that's really how the whole, you know, of course, I'm going to draw rally cars because I'm a, I'm a young kid. You know, I'm around the rally scene. I thought it was exciting. And I, what else? I'm not going to draw horses. Not into horses. I'm not going to draw flowers. I'm not into flowers. What am I going to draw? Well, I can't draw naked women. I'd get in trouble. So <laughs> rally cars. Well, I, I must say your parents are pretty damn cool for uh, introducing <laughs> you to the sport. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, my dad built that car. Uh, from the, he was more of a mechanic than a driver, but he built that car, and and my mom was a fifth-grade school teacher, and she would drive the thing to town to, to school sometimes with it. And uh, You were the most popular kid in school then with the mom well, driving that a, to school. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go to the school she taught at, but she, uh, yeah, she was a pretty popular teacher. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that was pretty cool to have her, her driving that thing with all the sponsorship painting and everything else on it. So, Yeah. So that's how kind of my start of why I draw rally cars, I guess. So, so that's that is your your art background. Then did you, you've no formal art training? Didn't go. To I art have. Research? I just taught myself to draw. Uh -huh. I, I I was a hyperactive kid, and you know, it's raining outside. My mom's a school teacher. My feeling is she found out that once I started drawing, I would actually shut up for a few hours. She probably pushed it on me. So, <laughs> so uh, I just kind of sat there and taught myself to draw. I got out of high school, barely. Um, wasn't the best student, probably wasn't the best kid, to be honest with you. Got out of school. I went to the Art Institute for a bit, but they didn't really teach me anything. Um, mm -hmm. Either that or I just didn't pick up on it. I don't know which. But but no, nobody's really taught me. And, and uh, I don't really, I'm kind of like, I don't have an appreciation of uh, the, the history of art or the fine arts because I never studied it. It's not anything mm -hmm. I've, ever, I've ever really been interested in. I just like to draw. Yeah, it's not really, that's really all there was to it. So no, no, no real background as far as schooling goes. So what was, what prompted your decision then to produce these, uh, the, the coloring books? that's a strange thing i i had done quite a bit of fine art commission stuff just on the side it's something I, i've been mm -hmm. a construction worker my whole life i did not make a career out of art yeah uh, i did a lot of i did a lot of uh commission work for a lot of the vintage race car guys uh mm -hmm. the sovereign people uh stuff stuff like that so i was already doing things i've been in and out of rally as a fan 
and uh, through my connections, through my parents, I had a lot of friends in rally. So it was always easy to get right back into it and go out there and watch and have fun. And I remembered that when I was a kid that, uh, you know, there, when I was a kid, there weren't very many spectators. It just, that's just not how rally was back in the 70s. Nowadays, you actually have spectators. I'm seeing a lot of kids out there, the families have their kids. My God, I see people carrying their strollers <laughs> just to go find a good view. And I remember as a kid, you know, there's a lot of time between stages. Uh, if you're just a spectator, that that time between stages for a little kid with an attention span, that's that's pretty tough. And I don't know about other parts of the country, but in the Pacific Northwest, when you're at a rally, there's a good chance that poor kid's sitting in the back seat of a car. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. And I just thought that it'd be really cool to make a coloring book sometime. I had never done coloring book style art before. So my first one was a little bit crude. My second one now I'm much more proud of. But so I decided to make this coloring book and it was just a thing at first that I was gonna, I was gonna use as a promotion for my, my commission fine art, uh, which is what I did. The first year I did 250 coloring books on my own dime. I paid for everything and I uh, got on social media and started telling people about it to see what kind of response I'd get. And and that really was what kind of shocked me. I didn't expect the response. I thought I'd have a bunch of boxes of coloring books at my house, but that's not what happened. Ended up going down to Olympus, which is the closest uh, rally here to me. Just walked through Park for me and was passing out coloring books based on the interest I had gotten through social media. A few people, you know, knew who I was from social media. A lot of people looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what are you trying to <laughs> hand my kid this coloring book for, you know? But, yeah, it was just something I wanted to do. And I and I did it. And the, the response was more than I thought. I, I, I just thought it'd be a one-time, oh, this is cool. I'll do this this one time, you know? And, and the response was so big, it got me thinking, man, it'd be really kind of fun to do this, you know, every year. And and give it away for free every year, so I got and, the idea. And just to go back, when you did that first one, you, you came up with your own cost, but you just gave them away, right? I went out and gave them away. I when people from across the country wanted one, uh, they a lot of people wanted to buy them, and I no, they're they're not for sale. That's not the point. Send me three dollars for shipping. You know that paid for the envelope and the postage and me going inside to mail it you know i didn't wow. want to make money. that's not what it was about you know i i'm trying to make i'm trying to my my fine art commission is what i was trying to build up and mm -hmm. and this was just a fun thing to do i had an ad on the back saying hey here's who i am if you want some fine art of your rally car here's the guy you know just something i do to make a little money on the side and so yeah no i was just giving them away for free wow so anyway yeah so i can't i the response was so big, and it's just not something I expected. So when I decided that I was going to do this the following year, it was obvious I couldn't just do 250 copies. And it was also obvious that I'm just a construction worker. I can't afford to pay for more than 250 <laughs> copies and just give away to people for free. So I had the idea of maybe trying to sell some sort of advertising on the back. You know, the back cover. I thought, oh, I'll sell advertising to, to, to some of the rally people. And I uh, I called up uh, Steve Reamer. Uh, I emailed Steve Reamer of Dirtfish. And I know Steve 
because he's I've done quite a bit of uh, commission art stuff for his collection. Yeah, he's got quite the collection for sure. Yeah. And so I've I've done quite a few pieces for him. And so I just thought, oh, hey, you know, if you're interested, would you like to put an, you know, put an ad in here? And so I had smaller ads with it. And he was the largest one. And and yeah. And so now it's paid for. Um, we're going to I went from 250 copies last year and I only went to Olympus and uh, Oregon Trail. And this year we're getting probably about 3000 copies. Wow. And <laughs> and we're sending I've allotted 200 copies per ARA national uh, for volunteer swag, and then about 100 copies I'm giving to a car at each rally that I've I've kind of gotten contact with people, and then in their park for May they can hand them out to the fans. So so let me get this right. So if you're a volunteer for an event, in your little swag bag you will likely have a Scott Alderson art uh, rally coloring book. At every single event, yes. At every that single national, yes. Yeah, every yeah. National. That's super cool, and I love that because I'm also an organizer. We put together those swag bags. It's, we love some of the things that we get, and uh, that is an awesome addition, and I can't wait to see that. And uh, the, the the faces on people once they see that they've got that in there, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's really fun. I love seeing the kids. When they, I like it when people actually send me photos of the colored pages by their uh-huh. kids. I just think that is the coolest thing. <laughs> Do you have kids of your own? I, long story, but I actually have two. Tw- I have twin boys. They're 31 years old. Yes, I do. Do they? Uh, and you never did coloring books for them, apparently, because this is a newer thing. So, uh, But have you sent them a couple of copies and, hey, guys, you got to contribute? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. I, you know, I don't know how much time you got, but I got a, on the way to Oregon Trail this year, what my, uh, one of my sons, he races bicycles, road bicycles. And on the way to Oregon Trail, my wife and I were just heading out the door. And uh, I don't know how far down the road we were, but we got a phone call from his mother. And he had been in an accident the day before in a criterium race and he had been paralyzed from the neck down and this was on the way to oregon trail well we stopped by harborview and we saw him and we talked to him and you know there's not a lot we could do he's you know and so we we continued on after that and so throughout oregon trail we were uh we were pretty stressed about that whole deal yeah oregon trail was a tough one and i didn't hand out as many coloring books as i wanted to i just don't think my mind was in it but uh, I do want to say before we go on, he had surgery, I want to say within a week or two of that, and he got his recovery. And he's actually, keep in mind, he couldn't move his arms and legs. And this was Oregon Trail Rally. What was that, May? Yep. Yeah, he, he's the end started, of May. Yeah, he's riding a bike again. Whoa. Whoa. So not only is that, you know, <laughs> him for just having that kind of fortitude, but I, you got to give his surgeon some credit, I think too. Yeah. And, yeah. and the amount of rehab he had to struggle through to work through that, that that's not easy work. He's, he went through a he's lot got, of pain. He's got an, he's got an athletic heart and an athletic uh, head on him. So, you know what I mean? And I think that really, that helps a lot. Anyway, where that tied in was that I ended up, he was having trouble with his digits, with his, his fingers, you know, with everything. And because of the spinal injury, and uh, so I gave him a coloring book, <laughs> hoping he could that would help him with some of his rehab. Thirty-one years old before I gave him one, so there you go. 
So, um, so you said that you were handing out these uh, books, the coloring books, and publicising your uh, fine art, your fine art illustration business. How much business did you get? Did you get any business out of handing out these books? You know, it's hard to tell which ones came from the books and which ones didn't. Do you know what I mean? So I really don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I guess if I was a really good marketing guy, I'd have some questionnaire where they, you know, hey, where did you find out about me? But uh, I'm going to say maybe not, to be honest with you. I mean, the art, the it, it, this isn't my main source of living. This is something I do on the side. And uh, God, I'd really have to think back if there's any that actually came from that. But, you know, I'm not really too disappointed if they didn't because it, <laughs> it was it was more just the fun of doing it, as crazy as that sounds. Um, now that I've gone into the second one, my idea of what I'm going to do with the coloring book thing has changed. I, I didn't plan on getting into the coloring book business per se. It wasn't necessarily <laughs> – it wasn't and, – and I'm not really now. I broke even on this one. But as it's gone on, I've had people talk to me, and, and they've kind of got me interested in in going a direction with it. So come the middle of uh, this month, probably now going to be maybe more the end of this month, we're launching the scottaldersonart.com website. Uh, we took it down because it was just not really what I was using it for. And we're changing it around, and you'll be able to go on there, and you'll be able to to buy art from me you'll be able to commission art from me but you'll also be able to download coloring book pages for a dollar a page so somebody at home on a rainy day's got a kid that's antsy most people have a a, a printer in their house these days mm-hmm. you know what you're going to be able to go there and it won't just be these one i'm going to do some more coloring book art for it's all going to be race car based i don't want to draw horses and flowers so. <laughs> horse power. You're drawing horse power. There we go. Horse power. There you oh, go. That's it. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, no, no, I don't know if I made much off of it, but it's all you know. It's something I'm building towards the future. Um, when I when I retire, this can definitely be an, a supplement. But uh, you know, I'm not the best artist in the world. I'm I'm okay. I'm mediocre. Um, I'm not going to go out and compete with people who I know are better than me. That's ridiculous. I'm going to draw race cars. You know, race cars and rally cars. I'm having a blast with it. And and if I don't make enough money out of this to pay all of my bills, I'm not going to change what I'm drawing. I'm not going to I'm not going to hate what I I'm not going to hate doing the art just because I need to make the money at it. So I'm going to make money at drawing race cars and how much that's going to be probably is going to be limited by, hey, let's face it, rallying isn't have the huge the biggest fan base here in america but i'm drawing what i like to draw and i'm having mm-hmm. fun and, yeah. and that's what I, that's what i'm doing with it and yeah, but, uh, hey, uh, in the future that's great but right mm-hmm. now if i don't make a whole bunch uh, i i have a day job mm-hmm. you know yeah uh-huh yeah because you don't just just draw though because I, I was i was flicking through your uh, facebook page and there's some i really really like those sculptures of yours the oh my sculpt. goodness! The that sculptures. that that the lo- that that one of the lotus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a sucker for anything that's green and yellow lotus anyway. But <laughs> I absolutely love that. So that is a that that is an interesting thing. And there again, totally self-taught. Mm-hmm. 
I, my background in construction is in the plastering industry. And so when I, uh, when I did those, I had had this idea of using lath and plaster. And so when you, that metal you're seeing behind there is metal lath and it's, Mm -hmm. it's the exact same stuff you see on a stucco building. And, uh, and that's what that's made out of. And it was an idea I had and I, I did it. I want to say 2016, I played Mm -hmm. around with a bunch of them. Yeah. But and I did a show in Kent, and that was fun and all. But the problem with that particular medium is you can't reproduce it, no. so you pretty much have to only sell originals. Mm-hmm. To actually do the the whole logistics of delivering them without breaking them is it's just more than I really oh, yeah. care to get into right now. You know what I mean? It does look cool. I yeah. love it. I have them all over my house. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. I see, yeah, cause I, I've, yeah, I've saw there's there was you did one of like Mario Andretti as well. Yes, yes. That uh, was the first time I'd ever done a face. Did it look like him? I think so. Yeah, I can tell it's <laughs> him from 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 an angle. Yeah, that's cool. And didn't you do another one that's like got and um, there's a, like a Le Mans prototype or something? Yeah, it's a, it's supposed to be a, a nine seventeen. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Those were those were really cool. I I mean, honestly, I mean, like I say, I, I I did spend time at art school, and uh, so I mean, I've done, gone through all the the sculpture and the castings and uh, printing and all kinds of stuff. And yeah, I appreciate when I see something that really excites me, then uh, I'm going to let somebody know. And that that <laughs> that Lotus one, I just absolutely adore. I really do. Well, thank you very much. I, I I wish I could do more of that particular medium, and and I to be honest with you, I probably will do more of that when I'm retired. Right now, the the amount of time is just there's it's I don't I don't really it's a messy messy medium oh, to work yeah. with, uh-huh. and to to set up a space to do it, I I kind of I'm putting it off. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> don't fair play. enough. Fair so, enough. So you do, you do, you seem like you spend a lot of time in pen and ink then. I do. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, do you do a bit of watercolor as well? I don't do watercolor. No, but I, my mediums mostly are colored pencil is a good favorite of mine. I really uh-huh. enjoy colored pencil. Yeah. I, I lay it down very thick. So uh-huh. I hard on arthritic hands, but, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I use, I use pen and ink quite a bit. I, I've been playing around a lot lately with markers and then mixed medium with the markers. It's yeah. it's not really good for fine art because it, it's not going to necessarily stand the test of time, but it's really fun to play with anyway. Yeah, I, I was looking at uh, like this this one of um, Jeff Seahorn, and the, the, the blues there are like really thick and deep. Yes, and, and that's colored and pencil. That's, that's colored pencil. I mean, yeah, yeah I see what I you mean about artistic hands. But my God. Yeah, I lay it down really, really thick, which makes it so I don't want it. That that Seahorn piece is about 22 by 28 inches. That's about as large as I want to go with colored pencil because that's a lot of area when you're laying it yeah. down that hard. Yeah. Had you have you ever thought about trying the uh, the iPad for doing artwork? It's, it's it looks interesting to me, and I <laughs> I I think you know yes and no. I I'm kind of interested in it in some ways. I think for in the future I'm going to probably be doing a lot more um, design work, and I think for design work it is definitely almost a must now mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Uh, yeah. Just on just because of the speed factor. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, yeah, that's definitely something. It's an investment, I think. I haven't really looked into it, but I'm having a feeling that would probably be an investment. But I haven't. Yeah, it's something I've looked at though a little bit. It looks interesting. Yeah, the the, the weird thing for me about working with a with an iPad is that uh, when you're um, when you've got a pen on paper, you've got a you've got a connection, mm-hmm. but you can feel the paper under the under your, under your crayon under your pencil. Exactly. But on an iPad, you're like you've got a stylus that's like gliding across a piece of glass, and that's it's really it's really weird, and it takes a lot of getting used to. And I've been drawing on an iPad for like oh months, maybe a year, and there is I've I've got to do it again and again and again because if I don't do something regularly on the iPad, it just it just goes back to feeling like totally alien to me drawing yeah. on a piece of glass and you, it just like slides across the glass and you don't have any resistance you don't have the texture of the paper underneath here it's weird well and i would think you can't you can't change the thickness of your line in the same stroke either mm, yeah that's another, you can you can like you, you can have a menu along the side oh, and okay. like adjust adjust the sizes of your lines but you've still got like that one po- that's another weird thing you know you've got the the one point on your stylus it's one size but you can like change that to like a from from a thin line to a thick line to a brush stroke and it's yeah it's but, but nothing changes in your hand that's it yeah nothing changes yeah in your hand. yeah maybe, maybe i'm a little too that's, old-fashioned that, for that's that. a bit weird for me but uh <laughs> Uh, well, you, well, it sounds like you and me are the same age, and I feel like exactly the same about some of these things as well. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you want to see somebody somebody who I really admire, who does a lot of um, iPad work, that's a, a guy called Stefan Marjoram. That's M-A-R-J-O-R-A-M. He's on, he's on Facebook, and he does a lot of a lot of um ipad sketching and the thing if you works with this app called procreate mm-hmm. and you can actually record what you're drawing oh that's then, interesting so what he does is like he does a drawing on his ipad and then mm-hmm. he posts the drawing it also runs through his sketching process you know mm-hmm. so he'll he'll do he'll do some pencil lines underneath and then he'll work on top of that with different colors and you can watch the sketch actually be done in front of your eyes. So really, even so, even on the iPad, he's doing the same system I would with pen and ink, and he's doing a, a a pencil sketch underneath, and then going over it, and then what? Just erasing those other lines. Well, I think he does layers. He has like the pencil I lines see. at the bottom of layers, and then he adds another layer that he works hard, works a bit more on, and so. But yeah, it's huh. it's very cool. Yeah, it's, you check check him out. He's on Facebook. It's I will. Stephen, I wrote I wrote down his name. It's Stefan Marjoram Art and Photography is his Facebook page, okay. and uh, yeah, he's really cool. I I really really like him. I've got I've got a lot of his works of my own, anyways. So, so. Do you uh, do you do you do art quite a bit now, or what, uh, uh... I yeah I, I I drift in and out of it. You know, I I I I spent like seventeen years as a graphic designer, and uh, that kind of like jaded me. And <laughs> that's funny. You know? I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> I so can relate. I, I I I do pick the pick the pen and paper up quite often and just doodle myself. And in fact, I did last year. I did set myself a New Year's resolution of like drawing more. 
but that only lasted like uh, two or three months and then uh, then rally season started and I was in the co-driver's seat you know <laughs> so let's get back to the the, the coloring book real quick because uh, you know you're talking about the the, the seahorn drawing thing you did and whatnot and I was wondering about the inspiration for the selections of uh, cars that you have in the book that is really hard that is one of the hardest things of the whole coloring book believe it or not part of the reason it's hard is is i hate hurting people's feelings yep and i had i i didn't i the first year i was like oh people send me pictures of your car and it was all i could i just drew whoever sent me pictures almost you know other than i went down to tour de forest and 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 took pictures beforehand for myself but I had a lot of people then for this coloring book send me in pictures of their cars and you you hate they, they want in so bad and and it's so cool that they want in and I'm flattered that they want in but some people send me pictures of a car that that doesn't necessarily have any graphics on it or something and doesn't have the character you're looking for yeah I need something for the the I'm going to say kids here but adults color too I need something for them to to color you know and so there's that problem, and the other problem is uh, the Seahorn car is a really tough one, is a lot of these people do very intricate paint schemes. And right. it's almost too small and too little for a kid to color. You know what I mean? So I, I had to really make a lot of decisions based on, well, what's a kid going to color? And the other problem I had was it's pretty darn easy to fill a whole coloring book with nothing but Subarus. Well, I can't. <laughs> you so know? Easy. Yeah. Oh man! So I, I'm looking for cars that aren't Subarus, and 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 I'm looking for. I, I obviously want to. I try to keep a balance of the top guys because let's face it, the the people want to see the 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 Higgins, and they want to see the McKennas, and they want to see them in there, and their kids want to color them. So I'm I make sure I put those top guys in there, uh, but I. I I've got Dave Clark in there. I've got uh, not that Dave Clark's not a top guy. I'm just saying he's not running right. the whole series. Right. He's not, you know, love Dave Clark, <laughs> both of them. Uh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but uh, I, who else have I got in? I've, I've just, I've got some people that you know that they're, uh, they don't necessarily run the whole series, but they're a cool car. I don't know the guy's name, but the guy with the red Porsche 911. Uh, um, but anyway, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, the Porsche. But it's a, how do you not put that in? You, yeah. you know, come on. I mean, it's a Porsche rally car. Is there is there anything better? I mean, so I, I put that in, and I just, yeah, that was a hard one, and I think it's mostly hard because I just don't like hurting people's feelings because I had so many people wanting in, and I just, I couldn't put everybody in. I upped it from eight pages to 12 pages this year, but I, I can't put everybody. So a lot of it has to do with whether their graphics are colorable. So that, you know. And hey, I'm going to tell you all of those while we're on that, all of those people out there, there's a real correlation between whether the their graphics on their on their rally car car is colorable and whether people can see their sponsors as they're driving past them in 3 seconds in the woods. Mm -hmm. So uh maybe some of those people ought to simplify some of their logos for uh, not only for their sponsors, but maybe I'll put you in the coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. I've been a I've been a student of uh, just on my own looking at at graphics on race cars all my life, thinking, man, how do they expect us to see that sometimes? And then when I see a good one, I'm like, oh yeah, that's perfect. Anyway, 
And just for clarification, that was Jeff Gamroth, uh, number 189. Yes. 1989 yes. Porsche 964 from Rothsport Racing. Yes. There that. we go. So I had to look that up because I do love that car. Not only does it look good, it sounds amazing. Just everything flat about six. It. Damn. It, it's sent, you know, it, it, yeah. We don't have, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of the same cars out there. So I really think it's cool when somebody comes out with, you know, I mean, I haven't seen a Porsche since Jeff Zwart, you know, so I think that's pretty cool out there. Hey, hey even the guys in that Brat, I don't know what their name is, but that's so cool to ride and driving around in that Subaru Brat. That's Jacob awesome. Sturgeon. Jacob oh, I Sturgeon love from out oh, those here. Guys yeah. Those guys are the coolest. I don't know them, but it's the, that they're in a brat. Are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. Truck, trucks are the best. Trucks are cool, too. I My very first car was a, a Datsun, a 72 Datsun pickup. And uh, I I grew up learning on a truck. And yeah, yeah, the rear end kicks out real easy. Yeah. Oh my, well, Scott, Scott and I, we, we campaign a 1980s Chevy S10. Oh, nice. The rally truck. The official the rally, rally truck. truck. Yes. yes. I like it when the truck's out there. Uh, I think there's a guy named Matt Weaver. I wish he'd get back out there with a truck. I just think the trucks are cool. I remember Bill Holmes and the big truck when he was driving that big Ford. And I, SCCA had a years ago, I don't remember the exact years, but SCCA had a class for the four-cylinder. <laughs> uh, I want to say it had to be two-liter and under uh pickup truck series that uh, that they ran for a while yeah yeah that's that's where our that's where the that's where our rally truck comes from oh is that right it, okay. it, it, that was campaigned by a pair called dobermeyer and rosen nice. back back in the day and yeah so uh that the car disappeared off uh into into a garage for several several years and uh scott he bought it a couple of years ago and uh we've campaigned it together ever since so uh, yeah well you need to send him an awesome picture of that there you go that's right <laughs> we, we, we don't we don't have a very colorable livery on on the uh, the rally truck it's just like broad red yellow and blue stripes but the length it of is the body. patterned well, off no, no, a no, famous but... livery uh-huh yeah <laughs> So, so to explain that, because it is it is patterned off off of something very important that uh, ran in uh, the UK in in Europe. Yeah, it was um, the livery on it is based on the uh, cars that uh, Russell Brooks used to campaign in the UK. His Andrews Heat for Hire cars. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's got like a yellow, red, and blue mm-hmm. body length bands along the length of the uh, length of the truck. And yeah, kid people love I, it when they see it. You're, it is colorable because it's it's big bands of color. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that that is exactly what you know. Yeah, next year, <laughs> I need yeah. a tr- yeah. I need a truck in there. I need a truck. <laughs> okay, we'll see what we can and do you'll on have that. To one. Put a big open paddock logo on it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Then you yeah. Well, that's the thing. The the cars that get in this coloring book, um, the sponsors that are large enough on the car that that can be read in the artwork, those people are getting free. Their sponsors are getting uh, they're getting free advertising throughout the country throughout the season. So it's kind of a kind of lucky to get in there, really, in a way. That's that's a very, very good point. So 
obviously a lot of the the stuff you have right now is is Pacific Northwest based, but uh, are you also taking, I guess, uh, you know, inspiration from those uh, maybe some classic cars as well as some from uh, outside the area? So I do have some East Coast cars in there, but yeah, they're all ARA cars. They're all north, you know, from down here. I don't have any Canadian cars in there this year. My thinking on this was that I wanted to I wanted to keep it more current because of the fact that these were going to to mostly kids. Um, they don't remember the you know an Audi Quattro or uh, I, I kind of I felt like the adults would think that was cool, but the kids wouldn't. Now on that note, adult coloring books are huge right now. It's yeah. Uh, but funny how adult coloring books got popular as weed got legalized throughout the country, but let's not make that correlation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the, the coloring books, um, I, I think I've thought about the, about doing a retro coloring book, and it would either be something I sell or it would just be the pages that would be on my, on my new website um, because I think that would be fun. I would love to do some of there's a lot of cars out there. It'd be great. Uh, Jeff Swart used to have Porsches, and his he had some paint schemes that would be just great for coloring. And he had some paint schemes that were kind of complicated for coloring, but would be better for adults. And yeah, I think I would. I think I'm going to go that direction soon. But it's going to probably be geared towards the coloring from maybe a, a more mature audience. I think that's an awesome way to go because, uh, yeah, I, I think both audiences are great for this. I, mm -hmm. it, it sounds like I've been hearing from adults how much they like it uh, as much as adults that have kids. <laughs> so Yeah, I've been hearing that too. I've been, and, you know, it's funny. I didn't think about this until after I had the coloring book out. But I don't know about you guys, but whenever I need to remember something, I write it down. Yeah. And I don't, I don't need to look at it. The fact that I wrote it down, that muscle memory of my yep. fingers, writing mm -hmm. that down helps me remember it. And don't quote me on this, but I believe there might have been studies that prove this. If this is the case for most people and you own a company and you think that company is going to be around 15 or 20 years from now, well, those kids that are coloring right now, they're the ones who are going to have jobs and money and be driving cars 15 and 20 years from now. If they're coloring your logo, as a little kid, don't you think they're going to remember that company name when they get older? Oh, certainly. Oh. A thousand oh, yeah. percent. Mm, yeah. Just something to think about. I don't I know. Mean, I remember doing some, uh, you know, coloring books as a kid and, you know, it was like off-road trucks. And I still remember this day coloring the KC headlights yep. that, that were on yeah. it. Um, it was a truck with a, uh, you know, with a yeah, bar in yeah. the back with a bunch of KC headlights on the top. Why? Because I did color that when I was like seven years old. Yeah. That is everything that I remember of if you're going to be, you know, having a truck with a bunch of lights, it was Casey, um, maybe a couple of them I remember Hella, but it was Casey is the one that stuck in my brain. Yeah. It's funny, our, our different backgrounds, because mine is CBA. And I never heard of those. But, CBA, uh, C, C, the French company, CBA Lights. You'll, yeah. Uh, yeah. C with uh -huh. the B, yeah. And maybe and I'm you, not pronouncing it correctly. If you did correctly. some drawing of those or, or, or coloring of those, it, it makes sense that you remember them, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so yeah. I guess the cool thing here is that means these kids that are drawing this stuff, not only are they having a connection to maybe these sponsors and these, uh, you know, these different products, but their connection to rallying and mm -hmm. their connection to maybe become a future volunteer and or competitor 
because mm-hmm. they're going to have now th- this, you know, awesome thing that they can fill in. And like, I, I you know, I, I remember yeah. this and now I can see the real cars, you know, when I'm older and maybe get behind the wheel, go to dirt fish, you know, you and, know, and play around. I mean, just all these different things that can connect to that. But, you know, I don't think we can really discount the importance as far as the, as far as the uh, strength of the sport, the importance of those kids, even just growing up to be fans. I mean, that let's oh, face yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 there's more fans in most sports than there are players. And, you know, motorsports is an expensive sport. So there's not a, it, not a lot of people can necessarily afford to, to be, to be rally drivers or, or even not everybody's going to be a volunteer. Not everybody's into that, but but even to cultivate fans, um, and you cultivate that fan base, perhaps we get rally growing, uh, you know, to where it is maybe a little bit more in the rest of the world, maybe where we get a, a WRC event here or something where there's enough people, you know, that are into it. And, uh, yeah, I, I love the idea of cultivating drivers and volunteers and, and all of that stuff. But my God, if we all, if all I do is cultivate a few fans out of this, that's cool too. I think it, uh, I think it helps the longevity of the sport. You don't have the fans, you don't have anything. Hear, hear. Yeah. Didn't mean to get so serious on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I sometimes leave a little break because uh, so so that Ian can chime in because uh, I talk so rapidly. I usually give about one second, and then he's got to say something or I'm going to jump in. So, Ian, did you have something? No, no. I mean, uh, that was I. T- I totally, <laughs> I t- I totally agree with everything he said there. I mean, yeah, we've that. This is just one way of getting kids involved in the sport getting it getting the getting the the awareness of the sport out there well and and the last thing we need is it sounds kind of ridiculous but in a way you know we were talking earlier about the kid in the back seat of the car in the rain waiting for two hours till they do the next spectator stage well we certainly don't want him to leave that rally with that memory Mm -hmm. how about you know maybe that maybe that part he was coloring and it kind of doesn't get uh in his memory is negative as much as it might have before. I don't know. Grasping at straws. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's a that's a great way to put it for sure. I mean, let's face it, it's just a coloring book, but I'm trying to make it look important. I uh, well, I I think it is important stuff because uh you know again, just a- any way to open up the audience, you know, to what the sport is, especially here in North America where it, it doesn't quite get as you were saying, you know, that I I guess exposure as you get out in Europe and whatnot and the rest of the world. So if it's, this is just another avenue to do that, I think that's great. And uh, draw in some more people, especially young people. I think that's really awesome. So uh, so again, to, to get this these awesome pieces of work, um, it's going to start out with uh, we're going to have these in some of the volunteer bags at uh, each national event. Yeah. Then you're going to have at each event, there's going to be certain uh, competitors that will have uh, a select a, a set of them that can give them out. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And I, and, uh, I have, I have some for some of the rallies. Um, it's easy for me on these, on these Northwest rallies cause I'll be there. Uh, and I know people around here, but I've got Karen Jankowski's going all over the place. So wherever she goes, she brings a few with her. I've got some other people who have said, yeah, we'll put them on our card, you know, during park for May. So if there's anybody out there that, uh, at any of these rallies that would like to hand some out, they can get a hold of me and, uh, maybe we can work something out. Cause I certainly can't go out to every rally and I'm already sending them to the organizers for the volunteers, mm-hmm. but you know, I, 
to have somebody, I don't want to put them to work, but if they just want to set them on the hood of their car during park for May, they're doing us, they're doing me a favor and, and uh, maybe it helps bring attention to their sponsors too. I don't know. Oh, well, see, see about, see about sending out some out for, out to me and we'll put them on, on the hood of the rally truck. at Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I will. Yeah, maybe uh, we'll give out a few uh, as open paddock as well. So uh, there yeah. we go. <laughs> yes, and I'm I'm sure I'll see you guys. I will be at Olympus. Uh, I will be at Oregon Trail, mm-hmm. uh, and I will probably be at Idaho. I I couldn't go to Idaho this year because my other son got married that weekend. So, uh, but yeah, we plan to be at, at least at those three rallies. So. So again, to follow all the Scott Alderson art stuff, you've got a Facebook page. We'll post all the links and whatnot, but you've also got the website that you're redoing. It's not quite up yet, but it should be back up soon, and uh, people will be able to download those, right? Yes, I'm shooting for two to three weeks on that one, is to have that up in two or three weeks. So yeah, you can go to uh, Scott Alderson Art on Instagram, or you can go to Scott Alderson Art on uh, Facebook. Or you can, uh, in a couple of weeks, go to scottaldersonart.com, and we'll have everything up there. And, yeah, um, I would love to thank the people who, who advertised in this thing. I really want to thank Dirtfish. Um, those guys are great. Love them. They, sure, they do so much for our sport. I want to thank uh, the Olympus Rally. Um, Steve McQuaid has been... I don't know if you guys know Steve McQuaid, but he has been yeah, around. Well, yes. Yes. Been, Steve, so back in the 80s, uh, when the way would go out, my parents would go out and we would go set up the course for the FIA Olympus. Um, I would We would stay at Steve McQuaid's house, house back then. So I've known Steve for years. Um, he's been a big supporter of all this. I couldn't, I really appreciate him. He's a, he's a good guy and he, he spreads the word. Uh, seems like every time I post something, he, he shares it. It's like, wow, Steve, I really appreciate that. But anyway, so we've got Olympus rally tour to forest rally. We've got uh, Thompson racing fabrication. We have uh, scrub blade. We have McKenna, oh, yeah. we have McKenna Motorsports. So, uh, so you can go out and, uh, they have their packages available where you can rent a car. You can. I can't afford to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Barry's got quite the kit. Yeah. We have uh, Melee Design, uh, Mitch. You had him on, uh, I believe, just recently. He's a great yep. guy. Uh, he's also somebody who pretty much shares everything I post. It's amazing. Like, wow. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Mitch. Uh, SubaruParts.com. Uh, Tacoma Subaru. Uh, Jankowski Motorsports. And then I have a partner in this whole thing who uh, helps me out a bit. Her name is Rebecca, and uh, I couldn't do this without her. And she owns a company called BreadLoveInc.com. That's B-R-E-E-D-L-O-V-E-I-N-K.com. And she does uh, graphic and web design. She, she pretty much is the one who – I do all this artwork – I scan it, I send it to her, and she puts this book together for me, and I, I really could do it. Awesome. So uh, you guys want any design work, definitely go to her. She's great. Well, thank you very much, Scott, for uh, taking the time to be on the show with us and tell us all about this. Tell us a bit of your background. That's awesome. You, you have some pretty damn cool parents that uh, got you introduced <laughs> to this sport, and, uh, and here it's all coming to fruition. It's great. I've only told you a quarter of my parents' story. Their, their life in rally is far more fascinating than mine ever will be. It, 
<laughs> that's a whole nother show. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, the rally family though. It's, it's, it's a great thing, whether it's actually your family or whether it's this community that we've got, it's, it's just something special. So this will be the, the one for uh, 2020 with uh, maybe it'll be an annual thing. Looking forward it, to it. It's, <laughs> it's not a, maybe it's going to be an annual thing. Excellent. Yep. That's what we like yep. to hear. All, All right, right. Uh, everybody, send your photos to Scott Alderson, uh, Alderson Art. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and we'll uh, see what uh, next year's uh, next year's uh, coloring book looks like. Great. All right, thanks, Scott. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Well, again, thank you to Scott Alderson for being on the show. We've got a couple other things we wanted to chat about. Um, well, the official start of rallying, at least to me, for the new year is always the Dakar, right? Um, Dakar Rally is taking place in uh, Saudi Arabia this year. Um, been a little controversial that they're over there, but, uh, you know, it, it, they have, you know, similar conditions and whatnot now that they're no longer in South America and obviously no longer in Africa either where it started. But, uh, you know, they, they've definitely had to deal with challenges and whatnot. Um, a lot more mountainous than I thought it would be in some of those places. Uh, I remember seeing a picture of snow. Yeah. with uh, one of the stages, it? but it, it was gone. I think by the, t- it came in after, I think they ran that area or something like that, but definitely cold in the mornings, but, uh, you know, definitely been trying to follow the American contingent. There was one pair of Americans in cars, and they uh, rolled their vehicle, um, and they're kind of done already. But uh, unfortunately, there was a, a big tragedy yes. that happened this week. And I, I've been really following the Dakar probably just the last, uh, what, about six, seven years, I guess, mm-hmm. that it's been pretty regularly televised. I, I remember the name uh, Paolo Goncalves or... or uh, Speedy Goncalves, as they usually call him. Yeah. Um, I, I remember him quite well uh, on the bikes. And, you know, I'm not a huge motorbike follower and whatnot, no. but I love watching these guys doing the Dakar. It's just, it's insane yeah. the speeds these guys are going on. And they're heavy bikes. These things are not small mm-hmm. because all the fuel they yeah. got to hold and all that stuff. And uh, unfortunately, uh, he had a big crash. Yeah, a big crash on stage seven. And uh, I. There was a couple of guys following who uh, who caught up with him, and uh, apparently is he they they called the uh, medics to him, and uh, he was okay for a while, but uh, he I believe that he actually passed uh, passed away because of the injuries he received on while he was being flown to the hospital. I'm not sure, but uh, it was a very 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 sad, very shock shocking. Lost because, like you say, I mean, Goncalves. He's if you only follow Dakar on the fringes like we do, he's a name that you know because he is so successful. I think he's had some second or third place finishes in the past. I think he's gone as far as second. Yeah, second, but he's always yeah. he's frequently been in that top ten. Um, yeah, uh, and he, and he's uh, he wasn't with one of the top teams this year. I don't mm-hmm. think uh, he no. was with it with with a little bit smaller team, but. He's been doing it 10 years. Yeah. So he had a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And usually those are the guys that you don't tend to have these crashes yeah. so much with. But this specific rally has been so fast. There's been several accidents of actually some top guys just getting hurt in, in, yeah. in different ways. And not always a high-speed crash, but sometimes there has been. It, this yeah. happens every year, I guess, with yeah. Dakar, right? Mm-hmm. Dakar is it is a 
very tough sport, especially for those not in a roll cage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's been a big deal. But but you know, on, on the brighter note, has been seen the American contingent in both the uh, in in the motorcycles as mm-hmm. well as in the side by sides. Yes, yeah. We Ricky... have two Americans leading in classes in the Dakar. No American has ever won a class in Dakar, and it just might happen this year. It might. Ricky Brabeck is uh, currently sitting fourth in the bikes. He had a win on stage three, so, and I've been watching his progress, and he's been in and around there every day. So he's. Um, he... Are you looking at the total, or are you looking at the stage? Because he's leading. He's, he's leading? Is he leading? Cause I he's been from... overall leading for, like, five stages. Are you sure? Yes. You sure? So the, the Dakar, I'm 100 percent sure he's got a 15, Dakar, he had a 25 rap. minute lead and now it's been cut down to I think uh, 15 minutes, That's, 15 yeah, or 20 minutes, and he's been managing that. So at the uh-huh. rest day he had a 20 minute lead. Now they didn't run yesterday because of Goncalves. Goncalves they chose yeah. not to run. So uh-huh. the, by the way, that's stage eight that they didn't run. Yeah. And so when you by the time I edit this and you guys hear this, uh, <laughs> Dakar might be over. But um, but yes, at that yes. point. He had a uh, about a twenty minute lead mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. Now, when they and actually no, they just ran stage stage nine, so that was uh, the other day. And with that stage, he he just followed behind one of his teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was uh, Bang Bang Beretta, Beretta, uh, Beretta Bort. I think yeah. was uh, who's his teammate out there because mm-hmm. uh, they're in the Hondas. Yep. He lost like four minutes, so he still has a fifteen minute lead after previously having a twenty minute lead. Because he was first on the road, and first on the road, you know, there's no tracks to follow and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, that, that was stage seven that that happened. One or the other. Anyway, yeah, that's he's it. got You're a big right. lead. That's yes. what I'm trying to say. He's got yep. a really big lead mm-hmm. overall. He's been intentionally being strategic because he's been doing it long enough now, like, and he's been backing off and understanding that it's about the long game, mm-hmm. not just winning stages. And so if you actually look at the overall, not just the stage times, he actually yes. is leading the he rally is, overall. You're right. Yep. It's this this the Dakar app isn't the easiest thing to follow on the uh, on your no, on your iPhone. You know, so so we, so even in the side by sides, we have an American leading, don't we? Yes, we do. Um, that is. I'm trying to remember his name. Casey Curry. Curry. Casey that's Curry, it. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, the side by sides are a newer thing. I think that's only this is only the second Dakar. Yep. Maybe third, uh, but I, I definitely like seeing them out there. And, you know, that's definitely been a very popular thing with the Polaris Razors and the Can-Ams and all that stuff. And so, um, yeah, very excited to see those out there. Uh, but what I would really like to see, though, is definitely uh, Ricky win for the bikes because that's been just one of the longest parts of Dakar is the motorbikes. And uh, to have an American win that, that has so many competitors. What, there's literally well over 100 in the motorbikes. Uh, now, Granted, I, I'd love to see both Americans win, so yeah, sure. uh, that would be extra special. So we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, no Americans in the cars, but we have no. seen, uh, was it Carlos Sainz last I saw? Was yeah, leading. Carlos Sainz is uh, leading, he's 24 seconds ahead of Nasser Alatia. And oh, seconds, this... not minutes, just 24 Sec- seconds. 24 <laughs> seconds, <laughs> oh, that's close. yeah. And then Stefan Petterhansel is six minutes back so of just right there. those in third, yes. Uh, the top three being in the top three <laughs> yeah that's it uh-huh yeah and we should probably give fernando alonso a mention because he's running 10th and for his first dakar for that's his first amazing dakar, plus that's he, he lost excellent. 
two like an hour and a half two yeah. hours on yeah. the uh the very first stage mm-hmm. i think uh, having yeah. to fix something with uh with the axle or something like that on uh on the uh, toyota hilux that he's driving but yeah exciting stuff out there and and different cars of different types too yeah. you've got yes. the yeah. the mini buggy which is yeah. a rear wheel drive thing mm-hmm. and then you've got the you know toyota hilux trucks and then you yeah. got the minis that are the four-wheel drive minis not the two-wheel drive buggies and all kinds of different things it's, yeah. it's fun to watch and, uh, yeah and i suppose we should just give a mention to the trucks because oh, the big trucks the yeah. big trucks you know surprise surprise that um russians are first and second in camas trucks but then again you, you you yeah. probably knew that was gonna be gonna be the case yep. uh, uh andre karginov from Karginov, yeah Karginov from andre shibalov so, so it's Shibalov, the old Shibalov, yeah. Shibalov, yeah, sir. Yep, Dakar. Watch it on NBCSN if you're not watching it already because uh, yeah. it's pretty cool stuff. But it feels weird not hearing Lee Diffie's voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are there are voices that you uh, get to associate with events after a while, aren't there? And it does seem very strange that, uh, that he's not there. All right. Um, I think I was going to finish up this podcast. Uh, we got Rally Monte Carlo coming up. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah, when is that? Next week or the weekend after? Uh, I think it's the weekend at about the twenty third ish or something. I was thinking I don't have my. Well, that's going to be like oh, I don't like... have my calendar up in here yet. I've, I've got I've got uh, the Costa Boom calendar I was supposed to put up in this office and it's not in here. Uh oh, <laughs> bad Mikey. Um, but yes, uh, it is coming up at the end of the month. And see what's today the fourteenth. So yes, it is coming up starting on the twenty third. Yeah. So uh, a week away, we have the da- the uh, Monte Carlo rally. So. First of all, livery, best livery, goes back to uh, M Sport because they just know how to do a proper livery when all the stuff that came out from Autosport Auto Show. Um, although I do like the Hyundai one, mm-hmm. but uh, I think the uh, the uh, M Sport one looks better. All right, so aside from the livery mention, prediction for who's going to win Monte Carlo, which is always such a dicey thing. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ian? Gosh, um, I don't know. Well, you see, I... I'm trying to be rational about this, but the thing is, I'm really, really excited by the new youthful M Sport lineup. You know, Lapisuna and Greensmith. Yeah. You know, and I would, I would like Lappy to win because he's in a Ford now. All right. You know, I, I don't know how feasible that is. Is I'm, I'm really excited by the M Sport team, and uh, I'll always pick them first just in case. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my prediction, though, is, I, as much as I like the M Sports, they, they admittedly have not had as much development yeah. as the other cars have. So uh, I'm torn. So I don't think Oit's going to be as fast just right on the on the mm. get go in the Hyundai. I think he's going to have to get used to it. Yeah. Thierry's always been right up there. Mm. Um, but then you've got the fact that th- th- this is going to be mostly dry one. It looks like so it's not going to be super slippery. Mm-hmm. And after seeing what Elvin Evans did, in oh, Corsica, Elvin was yeah, Elvin was always fast on the dry tarmac in Monte he Carlo. Is. Wasn't he is, he's amazing on that stuff, mm. and he was doing really well until he you know made a little bit of a mistake um, last year at, at Monte Carlo in the Ford. So, yeah, um, I, I I'm really rooting for Elvin uh, to take this one I'd at, like in the Toyota, even choice. though it's a new car for him. Mm-hmm. I think that car has the performance. Yep. And I think with the way he drives on tarmac and that car has been so proven on tarmac, I'm going to go with the Toyota with Elvin winning. I think OJ is going to take a little longer to adapt to tarmac with that car 
than Elvin will. I like uh-huh. your choice. How about that? I, I like your choice. I wish I'd have thought of that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll definitely be wrong on that because we always are, but uh, I guess that's our picks. Um, any last words before we let everybody go from this uh, mammoth podcast that we did? No, I just think I've got to go and find uh, an Oculus Rift for for myself uh, and uh, maybe maybe get into some of this uh, this rally sim business. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And make sure, uh, yeah, if you're uh, a person here in North America that wants to join the North American Dirt Rally 2 uh, group, it's on Facebook. Uh, but you can always join the events as well that we do with uh, uh, the Open Paddock. We have our Open Paddock Rally. Um, you just uh, search that under the, what's it, you go to dirtrally2.com and go forward slash clubs. And under that, you will find you can just search for any club. So you sign in with whatever. What's cool about it is you can use any platform. So if, whether you've got an Xbox, you got a PlayStation, whether you've got a PC and you're logging in through Steam, um, any of those platforms, we can all actually play together. That's what's new with a lot of the the newer stuff. So Dirt Rally Two makes a big difference from the Dirt Rally One, where you were platform specific. Now it's open to all platforms. So they found a way to kind of make them uh, competitive with each other enough that it's you know that somebody on a PlayStation can compete with a person on a PC. And mm-hmm. so go to dirtrally2.com and slash clubs, search out the open paddock one. There's also the, uh, again, the, uh, the Facebook group where you can, then they've got a club as well. Um, and Sam Albert, make sure you follow him. He's got, uh, some other events that he's been posting. So yeah, it's fun. Cause you can compete against each other. Look at the stage times. I'm not as fast as those guys, but you know what? Just finishing is huge on some of these challenging stages. I finished eighth, I think it was, so far. Anyways, there's still more people to finish uh, with the challenge we created on uh, Open Paddock. Mm -hmm. And that's just exciting enough. Uh, I ended up blowing out two right wheels. So I only had one spare. And I collided with the side of a wall on Monte Carlo, as can happen, and destroyed both right wheels. And I had to limp all the way up the top of uh, one of the mountains. But was able to kind of build myself back and uh, the car wasn't completely destroyed and uh, ended up uh, still coming out with a pretty good finish in the end. So yeah, it it gives you some of that same kind of excitement Mm -hmm. as you'd have in a real rally. There you go. And remember, if you like what we're doing here on this show, it's a big help to us. If you give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a brief comment on iTunes, give us a rating that helps us out as well. Uh, Even better than that. If you really like what we're doing, tell a friend to listen to uh, or call out your a-L-E-X-A, uh, to play the Omatic <laughs> Rally cast. <laughs> As always, thank you all for listening. And don't forget, if you have a team that's listening to this and you want to share your story, get in touch with us. Uh, we love sharing your stories. We'll fit you in where we can. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, for Ian Holmes. Remember, keep it shiny side up and don't cut. Mm-hmm.